I want to I wanna just talk to you about the Word of the Lord a little bit. And uh, that's, uh, that's what we're here for. And uh, I don't guess there's any use in us getting in any hurry. But I do have my watch out. And I'll try not to speak too long tonight. <clears throat> but it is good to be with you. Praise the Lord. Greet you and I think I, I think I mentioned this at church he uh he doesn't have the holy ghost yet but he comes basically on sunday morning and so the reason he comes to church now this is what he said the reason he comes to our church is because i speak to him or spoke to him when i would see him at the post office now it, as you know in gene if you see anybody it's at the post office or at walmart so if you come looking for anybody in our town, that's where you'll find them at. But I'd see this guy at the post office, and I'd speak to him all the time. His name's J.L. Storms. I'd say, hi, J.L., how you doing? Just friendly. And uh, he told his wife, he said, if I ever go to a church, I'm going to go to Brother Coombs' church. And, you know, he started coming, and he's still coming. And um, he'd come for a while, and, and I'd shake his hand and, and talk to him, and he'd go on his way. And so after... I felt kind of comfortable comfortable with it. One Sunday morning, he come in, and uh, I shook his hand, and I hugged his neck. And I said, let me hug your neck. I said, I'm glad you're coming to our church. And I said, now, I'm not going to do this down at the post office. <laughs> he said, oh, no, Brother Coon. He said, don't do that. He said, they'll put us both in the Army. <laughs> and uh, I said, uh, well, I'm not going to do that. In fact, I've kind of been looking at that Scripture again as a time to embrace and there's a time to refrain from embracing. Amen. 
But we're all here to fellowship and have a good time, and so let's do that. What do you say? Praise the Lord. In the book of Mark chapter 4, and in the book of Isaiah chapter 37, I want to read some verses. Mark chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. And then in Isaiah chapter 37, I want to just read verse 31. Now this passage that I'm reading here, I'm picking it up out of the parable of the sower, where the seed was sown on four different types of soil. And in Mark chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, you'll recognize this one. He said, And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Now notice the Bible said they have no root in themselves. And um, they do not last very long. They wither away, the Bible said. Now in the book of Isaiah chapter 37, just one verse out of a situation that is very critical. Sennacherib is threatening Judah with destruction. And here is a prophecy that Isaiah is giving to Hezekiah and to the children of Judah. In uh, Isaiah 37 and 31. And the remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. Now notice he said they will take root downward and they will bear fruit upward. And everybody said amen. <clears throat> amen. And you may be seated. The Lord bless you. I apologize for making you stand so long. I don't like to stand up too long. I don't like to sit down too long. Anybody share that sentiment? And uh, I get miserable either way. But uh, the prophet said that the people of Judah would take root downward and they would bear fruit upward. I want to talk to you tonight for the next little while on the Meristem line. The Meristem line, M-E-R-I-S-T-E-M, Meristem line, L-I-N-E, if the P-A is not coming through clear to you. The Meristem line. The reason I'm speaking to you on this subject and this message is uh, several months ago, I was in my office at church in Gina on a Sunday evening and I was studying probably an hour before church and there was a knock at the door and I just thought it was somebody that had a family fight or their gallbladder was about to burst or something and needed to talk to me and so I said come in and so there was a gentleman that walked in the door that I had not seen for many many years I knew him I knew uh, quite a bit about him but I had not seen him for a long time he used to teach school in the Gina school system whenever I attended school there. He was the industrial arts teacher and uh, taught mechanical drawing. Very, very intelligent man and a very highly qualified man. But he was not Pentecostal and he had always opposed Pentecost. And uh, I knew he was 
very, very highly educated. It, I don't even know how much college he has. I don't know if he even knows. He is so brilliant till he blows my mind just talking to him. But he walked into my office, and I was, to be honest with you, I was absolutely shocked. And I said, James Ewell, I haven't seen you in a coon's age. And he said, no, sir, you haven't. It's been a long, long time, many, many, many years. And so I got up and talked with him and told him what a delight it was to see him and uh, was glad that he was at church and hoped that he would stay. And he said, I have come. And he said, my motive is probably an ulterior motive. But he said, I'll tell you why I am here. I said, okay. He said, as you know, my wife is dead. And he said, a few weeks ago, I was on an airplane and I met a wonderful and a lovely lady. And she is Pentecostal. And he said, I have not been in touch and been associated and around Pentecostal people in so many years until I needed to sort of brush up on my knowledge about you folks. And so I come to visit you so that I could converse with her a little better. And I didn't care why he come. I was just glad he come. And so I said, that's good. I'm glad you're here. So we visited a few minutes, and he dismissed himself. And I said, now, we'll get together and visit after the service. So when he walked into our church, our people know him, especially the elderly people there. They know him quite well. And they were as shocked as I was shocked that he was even inside of a Pentecostal church. In fact, that night, whenever the service was over, we had service, and I preached, and whenever service was over, one of the dear ladies in our church, a wonderful lady, she said to me, said, Brother Coon said, uh, do you reckon that guy could be saved? I said, why, sure he can be saved. Why? She said, I don't know about that. She said, he's something else. Said, he has fought the church. Said, he, he, he's, he, he don't like us. I said, I don't care. I said, God's able to touch him. I said, pray for him. She said, she sort of rolled her eyes and she said, all right. You know, you, you, just, you just have to pastor in the country, don't you, Brother Tipton, to understand that. In fact, I've had visitors come to our church and people in our church ask me, say, Brother Coon, you reckon what in the world they're doing here? Well, well, they come to church. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. That's, that's small-town pastoring. I know it don't happen in Mississippi, but it does in Louisiana. So whenever church was over, I went to James Ewell, and I said, Listen, I'd like to get with you next week one day and talk with you, and I'd like for you to bring some of your carving with you. He is a... Uh, champion he is a national championship carver i said i want you to bring some of your duck calls and your turkey calls and some of your things with you and uh i want to talk to you let's let's meet in my office if you will and let's have a little visit and he said okay and he said I, i'd like to get with you and talk with you a little bit so we set up a time and to make a long story short on that day i met with him and he come in and believe it or not he had a walmart plastic bag with him and he had some stuff in it. And he sat down on the couch in my office and set the stuff down. And we visited for a while. And uh, so I, I talked to him, first of all, about church. 
we got to talking about church. And I went over and sat down on the couch by him. And we discussed church a little while and we talked. And now you got to understand, I'm a country boy. And this guy is just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. <clears throat> and uh, he's, he, he taught in Prairie Bible Institute, which is a very notable institute in Canada. And he's taught in all kinds of schools and colleges. He's been everywhere. And uh, <clears throat> so... Uh, very highly educated, and and he he has a lot of theological ideas. So I knew there wasn't any use in creating a big argument and fuss and trying to debate with him anything about psychology. I, and so we visited a few minutes, and I just stopped him and I said, "Brother Ewell," and I just called him brother. I said, "Let me let me ask you a question. Just let me just I don't want to be blunt, but just up front, let me ask you a question." And he said, "All right." I said, "What is your?" feeling about Acts 2.38 and water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. And would you believe that on my mentioning that, big tears started running down his face. And he said, for a long, long time, he said, I have been thoroughly convinced that the fullness of the deity of Almighty God dwells in the person of Jesus Christ. And he said, I would be absolutely, and he's just crying by now. He said, I would be absolutely honored to be baptized in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I said, would you let me baptize you in Jesus' name? And he said, I'm ready if you are. Hallelujah. Praise God. Here I am getting ready to baptize this theology, this professor, this theology student. And uh, an older man in his 70s. And uh, I baptized him that week in the name of Jesus. And the next Sunday night he got the Holy Ghost talking in tongues. Praise God. I don't know who all he surprised, but he surprised one lady in our church anyway. Praise God. I'll tell you, God is still in the Holy Ghost giving business. Amen. And so... I told you all of that uh, to tell you about his conversion, but uh, while I was talking with him in the office, and after we got through talking, well, I said, now I want to see some of you carving. And uh, so he got out a bunch of duck calls and some turkey calls, and he's a, such a non-pretentious guy. If you saw him, you'd never dream he could even whittle out a toothpick. And uh, I got a lot better pocket knife than he's got, and I can't do anything with it. But anyway... He is, he is a master carver. In fact, I don't know how many uh, championships. He is the, he is the uh, North American champion duck call and turkey call carver in several years of the last many years. He, he is just a fabulous guy. It's nothing for somebody to call him up from Europe or somebody to call him from uh, Chicago or from California and say, I want you to carve me a $3,000, $4,000 duck call or turkey call or something of that, and he'll carve them up one and send it to him. And uh, he's in such demand until he can't even uh, nearly about keep up with what he does. So he got all these calls out, and they, they were so pretty and so we got to looking at him, and, and he, he got one out that I really like. In fact, I got it in my pocket with me tonight, and I brought it along. <laughs> he got this duck call out, and uh, that's got an owl carved on it, and, a, and it's got a duck in its claw, and then he's got a duck on the back of it that's flying, and he's got his common old family brand on it. It's a rock and wire, 
on it. He puts that on every call that he's got. In fact, just uh, I think it was Sunday night, last Sunday night at church, he showed me a, a Cape Buffalo horn that he had carved into a duck call for a doctor. And uh, no telling what he'll get for that little piece of work. But anyway, uh, he had this duck call, and, and it's got uh, different color wood in it, and it just caught my eye. I thought this was the prettiest one that he had. And I said, man, I like that duck call. And we had talked about prices, and I asked him, he said, these are some of my cheaper ones here. And he said, I said, well, what do they start at? And he said, oh, little cheap duck call, probably around 600 or so. And I said, my Lord, how mercy. Amen. I'll just have to quack, quack some other way besides that. And so I, I, I like this one so much till I asked him, I said, well, how much is that one worth? And he said, well, I don't know what it's worth. He said, I turned down $1,000 for it. He said, I think it's worth a lot more than that. But he uh, said, I got a standing offer of $1,000. I said, man, let me hold that thing kind of gentle. And uh, I said, now, Brother Ewell, I said, that's a funny-looking piece of wood. I said, what... Uh, what kind of wood is that? He carves them out of roots and limbs and all kinds of junk. And I said, what kind of wood is that? And he said, that's persimmon wood. And he said, that come out of the meristem line of a persimmon tree. And I said, hmm. Like I knew all about it, you know. <laughs> and I said, now, you're going to have to educate me just a little bit. I said, where and what is the meristem line of a persimmon tree? And so then he made me feel like an idiot. He said, well, Brother Coon, he said, you know, he said, now you already know that a tree grows two directions at once. And I said, why, sure, I know that. He said, it grows down and it grows up. And he said, where it differentiates in that growth of whether it's going down or going up he said that's the meristem line he said it's that little part and all of you men that uh, except you city folks like brother Kraft <coughs> that don't know anything about this but any of you country boys that's ever cut any sprouts <laughs> you know what a sprout is if my mama would have raised you you would <coughs> But uh, if, if you've ever cut any sprouts or cut any trees, uh, if, if you'll notice, maybe if you cut them right under the ground, just about where they go into the ground, there's a little wrinkle-looking thing. You ever notice that on the outside of a tree? That's the meristem line. Now, there, and, and it, it just takes God to do all of this, and that's where the piece of wood for this duck call come from. Now, I'm going to put it back in my pocket real gentle. And you say, well, what are you doing with it? I borrowed it from him right after that. I said, would you let me borrow that duck call? I'm going to preach a sermon with that duck call. And he said, uh, or would you let me buy it? I said, would you let me buy it? And he said, no, nope, it's not for sale. He said, I'm not going to sell it. I'm going to keep it. And I said, well, uh, I, I thought maybe you'd sell it to me. Now, let me use it for a sermon. He said, no, nope, I won't sell it to you. So I said, oh, I, I sure would like to have it. And we talked... And so in a minute he said, now you're going to, I'll let you borrow it. And I said, no, man, I'm not going to borrow it. It'll get bursted or lost or something, and I'm not going to borrow it. I'll buy it, but I won't borrow it. 
And he said, you're going to borrow it. And so he insisted, and I, I stuck it in my pocket, and I was telling him I'd take good care of it. And he grabbed me, and he hugged me around the neck, and he said, my brother, that duck call is yours. I'm giving it to you, and you're going to take it. And I said, thank you so much. So I got a, I got a duck call. I don't know what it's, I can't even blow the thing, but anyway, I got a duck call. I got one of the most expensive duck calls in the country, I imagine. Amen. But anyway, uh, I, I, I got this, this, this duck call that I've got here that is so, I, I think, I think so much of it simply because of all the connections and, uh, what it represents and where it come from. And he said, now, uh, I, I want you to understand the intricateness, and we, we got to talking about this. He said, I want you to understand the intricateness of this particular place that I chose to get the wood for this duck call. He said, this is a spot. And he said, it's in every plant, whether it's large or small, whether it's uh, short-lived or long-lived, every plant that lives has a meristem line. And... Uh, he said, it's just the hand of God, it's a miracle of God in creation that whenever the nutrients reaches that particular spot in the cambium of that tree, that it knows just exactly how much of the nutrients to send to the root system, and it grows downward, and how much to send to the trunk and to the limbs, and how much for it to grow upward. And uh, so I want to talk to you just a little bit about that tonight because you see the Lord has likened all of us to a plant that He has planted. We're like a tree that is planted by the rivers of waters. But I want to say something to you tonight and that is, and I want to use this in a spiritual sense, and that is that God is going to have to somehow touch us in that spiritual area of the meristem line of our life that we can develop a good root system as well as be a fruit-bearing Christian for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you, brothers, and, and we're here tonight, and I've, I've just related a little story to you and a little experience to you, but I have come to talk to you seriously out of my heart tonight that somehow God is going to have to touch us that we can develop in the manner and the spirit and the way that God really wants us to develop. Amen. Whenever uh, Sennacherib was threatening Judah with total destruction, and they was going to be annihilated, it looked like, and taken away as Israel had been taken away, God gave Isaiah a message, and He said, uh, Judah is going to take root downward, and she is going to bear fruit upward. And that is exactly the challenge of our generation. This is the challenge of our time. This is the challenge to wake up the mighty men that God wants to touch you in that particular area of your life tonight. That whenever you hear the Word of God, whenever you are fed in your soul, that you will develop a root system and you will develop some fruit-bearing capabilities that you can become strong, that you can become stable and become valuable to the kingdom of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. You see, the Lord wants us tonight, as I have mentioned, to be like that tree that is planted by the rivers of water, that spreads out her root by the rivers, and uh, does not cease from yielding her fruit, regardless of the time of drought or the time of, or whatever season may be uh, encountered by that particular plant. 
Over and over the Bible talks to us that Christ may dwell in our hearts and that we might be rooted and grounded in love and that we might grow up in Him who is uh, the head of all things, even Christ. Over and over the Bible talks about being rooted and built up in Him and as newborn babes desiring the sincere milk of the Word that we can grow. And so over and over and over God is, is speaking to us about the necessity and the essentiality and uh, the important uh, thing of, of us growing and developing and, and becoming all that God really, really wants us to be. Because you see, brothers, there is a direct relationship between our root system and between our fruit bearing. There is a direct relationship between what kind of a life that we have as far as balance is concerned if we're going to grow and to become what God really wants us to be. You see, the, the valuable thing tonight, the essential thing, the important thing is that we have balance. We don't want to be all root, neither do we all want to be all branches. God's got to touch us in the right place tonight. There's got to be the right distribution. There's got to be the right qualities. There's got to be the right development in our life. Or we're going to be lopsided. We're going to be out of kelter. And something is going to destroy us. Amen. Oh, God, help us tonight. I want to be what the Lord wants me to be. Amen. I don't want to just bounce around here like a rubber ball and, and uh, everybody say, well, Brother Coon's got it and Brother So-and-So's got it and Brother So-and-So's got it and, and uh, he's, he's a singing and a shouting and he's got the victory and he's got the Word and all of that. And then the next thing you know, something has swept me away. I want to have not only a life that's productive, I want to have a life that's got a hold of something. I want to have a root system that reaches down and, and, and entwines itself around Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh God, give us that balance in our lives as men and as adults this evening. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. There must be the balance. There must be uh, these particular qualities in our lives. The ability to stand, the ability to endure, the ability to stay put, the, the ability to abide has a lot to do with the things that are not seen in our lives, even more than the things that are seen. Amen. Now, you can be all leaves and branches and no fruit, and Jesus cursed that kind of a situation. Am I right? Amen. And there is, there, and, and you've seen it if you've been around the church. And I've been around a little while, and I had not been around as long as I want to be, but uh, I've been around a little while. Whenever my kids was born, my, my daddy had left us when I was just a little boy, and my wife's dad had died when she was nine. And so when we had kids, uh, both of us come from a setting that we did not have a father in the real formative years of our lives. And so we had a lot of things in common in that particular area of our lives. And, and I felt that it was so important to have a dad, and whenever we had a, our boy and our girl, and they're uh, on up in a few years now. I prayed and I said, Now God, I want you if, you, if you'll just grant me one thing. I want you to let me live till I can raise these kids and help my wife raise them. And I want you to let her live. And I want you to keep us in the church and help us to raise our children till they're grown. And, and, and if you'll let me do that, 
then I'll feel like you've answered my prayer. And you know what? When my kids got grown, God reminded me one day, He said, I answered your prayer. I let you live. And your kids are grown. I got to thinking. <laughs> I said, thank you, Jesus. I said, now, Lord, could I talk to you one more time? <laughs> I said, I'd like to stay around a little longer. Amen. Now I wish you'd let me see my grandkids grown <laughs> and great-grandkids. So I want to stay around a while, and I've been around a while. I've been in the church for 42 years. That's, that's not too terribly long, but a little while. I've been pastoring. I'm 56. I've been pastoring for 33 years. I've been preaching full-time for 38 years plus. So, been, been, been involved in the work of God a little while. And, and I love people. I don't mind telling you I love people. I, I, like, to, I like to try to pastor. I, I like that. I'm not, I'm not called to do nothing else. And other people are, and, and I appreciate them and, and support them and all of that. We've got to have folks doing other things to help all of us. But I just feel like that, that, that I'm, I'm a pastor. And I feel like that I'm, I'm supposed to be in Gina, Louisiana. Who wouldn't want to be in Gina? Praise God. Who wouldn't want to be in Gina? <laughs> you don't look like you would, Brother Hill. And, you know, you say, well, who wants to live in a town where there ain't nothing but a post office and Walmart? Well, who does? If I was picking out a spot, I wouldn't have picked out that spot. But when you're in the will of God, that's all that really matters, fellas. Praise God. I talked to a guy in Arkansas. I think he told me Pastor P. Ridge or Blue Knob or something. I don't know what it was. In Arkansas. I said, where in the name of God's that at? You know, that's what everybody... I say, where is Gina and... Would you spell your last name again for me, sir? <laughs> I've had more fun being a coon than I would if I'd have been a Rockefeller. I know I had not quite as much money, but a lot more fun with the name. Amen. But, and in, 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 in let me get back to what I was talking about. I've been around a few places and happy and, and I'm enjoying... And, and I've even seen this in Gina, Louisiana. I've seen people come in and, and get the Holy Ghost. And I'd think, my, my, we've got us a jewel now. You know, and here's somebody shouting, and here's somebody can sing, and here's somebody can play the piano. Here's somebody want to knock on doors, want to pastor the church, want on the board, want to be Sunday school superintendent. Just, oh my God. And they kind of look at me and, well, Brother Coon, he's kind of non-progressive. <laughs> Not too much on the ball. If, if, if God would choose to put me in this place. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God.
Y'all ever seen anybody like that? And just, just got a lot, a lot of zeal. Not much sense, but a lot of zeal. <laughs> just going to do things and be things and everything and, and all of that. <clears throat> Praise God. But you know, funny thing, a funny thing, a funny thing, a funny thing, a funny thing. And tune into the funny thing, fellas. Revivals don't always go on. Hallelujah. Y'all sure are quiet. <laughs> Amen. They don't last forever. We had a fellow come by preach in our area, not for me, but in our area. He was telling everybody what their dog's name was and their social security name number was. Who was going to have babies and what they was going to have and... Hallelujah. I'm telling you all about it. <laughs> Amen. And uh, just, you know, greatest thing in the world, seeing visions and dreams, and I believe in all of them. Sometimes. <clears throat> Not many of them. <laughs> just a little bit. Angels by the dozens. I believe in angels. Amen. I'm not, I, I'm not, I hope I'm not killing anybody's spirit here tonight. I'm talking about the Maristim line tonight. I'm, on, I'm trying to touch you where it really matters tonight. Praise God. And, and so, uh, in, in that revival, just all kinds of things. And, and I'm for revival. I'm for a lot of people getting the Holy Ghost. And, and you know, you know, all of the accompanying things that developed and, um, Somebody said, man, 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 we need to pray for all of them. You converts, we need to pray, we need to pray, we need to pray. I said, hey, what you need to pray for is the pastor. Because when all of that hullabaloo's over and you get down to where the rubber meets the road, he's fixing to fight the devil. Because you can't pastor a church on dreams and visions and signs and reading your social security number and talking about how many's in a fuss and a fight. Brother, I'm going to tell you, you need to hear the Word of God. You need something that lasts, that stands. And when it gets down to real old-fashioned living for God, you're going to have to have some root system about you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Anybody can shout when everything's going good. Anybody can sing when the sun is shining bright. I want to tell you, friend, it's not the man that comes through and prays through and shouts and runs the aisles and sees everything and does everything. I read to you the story of a man that the seed fell on stony ground and he did not have any root in himself. You know who stays in the church? is somebody that knows how to dig deep and get their roots anchored in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, that God would touch us tonight and we could bury ourselves deep in the Lord that nothing would shake us and move us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. I don't like to see anybody backslide, but I want to tell you, if you're not going to backslide, you better sit down and let somebody preach to you and teach to you. Amen. I had an old lady tell me what we need to do here every night is just run these aisles and talk in tongues and prophesy and lay hands on each other and just roll in the floor and have a big time. I said, I believe in all of that, but most of the time you're going to sit down and shut up and listen to me. And you thought you wanted to move to Gina. 
Hallelujah. You go to camp meeting, you go to conference, you go to something, and you say, Oh, I wish I had a preacher like that. I wish I had a preacher like that. My preacher don't know any stories to tell. My preacher ain't had no experiences. He done told them all. <laughs> I told all mine and Gina. <laughs> Amen. If I tell him, I've got to tell something over again. There ain't something new happening every day. Amen. Not, not a bunch of baloney going on every day. I don't even preach good sometimes. <laughs> we have some dead services every once in a while. Hallelujah. We have some pitiful singing every once in a while. I've been to some churches, they got pitiful singing, they thought it was good. But that's, that's, that's you and God, I don't care, you know. Just, I just told them they ain't going to do it in Gina. I'm telling you now, I'm sorry, but I just, I'm just, I told you I was going to have a good time. I told them I'd beat on a tub and sing in a sweet by and by before I'd put up with that. Never service. We don't do that, but I would before I'd listen to some stuff. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I'm kind of like two dogs I heard about. They was laying out on the sidewalk and some boys come by and had the walkie-talkies in their ear and there's a bebop. One of them dogs looked at the other one and said, You know, if we did that, they'd worm us. <laughs> that may be what needs to happen. I don't know. But <laughs> My Lord, isn't this some crazy stuff goes on? I want to tell you, folks, if you're going to stay in the church, you're going to have to house some roots. You can't just grow up a bunch of leaves, amen, a bunch of limbs, because there's some storms going to be coming by after a while. There's going to come a drought after a while. Amen. There's going to come some trouble in your life after a while. But, brother, if you have got balance in your life, not only can you bear the fruit of the Spirit, not only can you live for God, but I want to tell you that you will be unshakable, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Hallelujah. There's something can hold us in this church. Praise God. We don't have to be a bunch of fly-by-nights. And Johnny, come lately. It's not in today and out tomorrow. But friend, if we get in here and we abide in Christ, we stay with the church, we stay when the revival's going. We stay when the storm is coming. We stay when the revival's going. And we stay when the revival stops. Hallelujah. Because we have some depth of root in our lives. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And you know what? i got a stinking feeling tonight that the people that needs to hear this ain't even here. I don't know why I'd feel that way. Thank God. Praise the Lord. We need some people like Big Bad John. They'll be here when the morning comes. And I ain't been listening to the radio either. I heard that when I was a boy before I got the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost didn't get it out of my head. Just like it hadn't got some stuff out of your head yet. <laughs> A lot of other places it ain't got something out of you too. Amen. Help us, Lord. 
I better hurry. I'm not going to do much of this sermon if I don't. God help us. Y'all see what I'm talking about tonight? I preached for Brother Jerry Jones. Y'all know Brother Jerry Jones. He's preached around here a lot. Brother Jerry Jones used to be Conqueror's president. He and I are good friends. I preached for him years ago when he lived in Metairie, Louisiana. And uh, I was down there preaching, and he had a bunch of little pot plants sitting around in his house. And uh, little plastic things as in, or glass or something. I don't know what this is. But anyway, little bitty things. Little bushes about that tall. Others maybe a little taller and some short. I saw them things around there a few days. And one day I said, Brother Jones, I said, what kind of tree is that? I said, that's the funniest looking little tree I ever saw. I said, it looks like a, a oak tree that you're just trying to get going. I said, you going to plant these in your yard after a while or what? That's what they look like. Little, I thought he was raising some little trees to put in his yard, you know. I said, what What you going to He said, no, Brother Coon. He said, I'm not going to plant them. He said, I'm raising them in a house. And I said, well, what's the deal? I said, it's funny looking to me. He said, them are bonsai plants. Ah, we didn't raise any bonsai bushes in Gina when I was growing up. So, I, you know, I was like that mare stem line. I didn't know what it was. The whole lot we don't know, you know, when we get acquainted with these folks that know something. And so I said, now you tell me what a bonsai plant is. I said, is that a Japanese persimmon or what? He said, no, Brother Coon. He said, he just grinned, you know, he's got a big old grin. He just grinned from ear to ear. He said, I, I could tell he's tickled at me because I was ignorant. But I wouldn't raise any orders. He wouldn't either. He grew up a state line. He, he wasn't fooling me. But anyway, I just, you know, I, I made out like he's smart. And so I said, tell me what they are. And he said, well, Brother Coon, he said a bonsai plant is a plant that you, you, you take it out of the... It can be any kind of plant, really, but he said you use it more with uh, long-living trees such as oaks and uh, you can go with cypress and other kinds. He said, you, and there's art to it, he said you take trees out of their setting or you take them out of a pot or out of the ground and you trim off all of their feeder roots. And then you put them back and he said that they won't ever grow. And he said, you see that tree there is about this tall. He, I think it was an oak tree. He said, that tree is about 15, 20 years old. I said, is it ever going to get any bigger than that? He said, not as long as I keep trimming the roots off its not. He said, that's what makes it a bonsai plant. And he said, that tree can live to be 150 years old and never get any bigger than that because it's, that's what it is, a bonsai plant. I got a little more education on plants. I'm, I'm not a botanist. And you know, I got to thinking, I said, you, you know, that's exactly what the devil likes to do to us. I don't know about you, but I felt like literally the devil jerked me up by the nap of the neck sometime and trimmed off all the feeder roots. He doesn't want us to grow. He wants you to stay just as big as you are right now. 
in the church. Amen. If you're not teaching a class, if you're not witnessing the people, if you're intimidated, if you've got trouble in your home, you've got trouble in your family, or you've got some kind of an inferiority complex, or some kind of a situation in your life that you're, you're fighting with, you know what the devil wants to do? He wants to just keep trimming away at the feeder roots of your life that you can never grow, that you can never become any bigger. And so consequently, you become dwarfed and you become stagnant, never bear any fruit, never have any root system. I've come to renounce that spirit tonight and I've come to say, Oh God, touch us in the meristem line of our heart and let there be some roots that goes down by the rivers of waters. Hallelujah! That we can grow up, that we can bear fruit, that we can be what God wants us to be in our churches. Hallelujah! 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 Amen! Amen! Folks, we need a good root system tonight. I know we need to be fruit-bearing, and let me tell you something. We hear a lot about fruit-bearing. We don't hear much about root systems. Am I right? We hear a lot about what we see people do in church. And, and, and pardon me, sometimes we can get excited about the shouting. And, and I like to shout. And I dance and run and jump and all of that. And there's, there's times for that. And, and there's times for preaching. There's times to sit down. There's time for all things. And I know all of that tonight. But sometimes we judge only on the visible part. But we need to realize, folks, that there's got to be something that's out of sight in our lives. Amen. Amen. Uh, I, I didn't know this till I planted some peach trees one time, and and I had the had the um, uh, agriculture agent in our, in our little area come and and uh, prune them for me. And my, when he got through with the things, he ruined my little old peach trees. And I said, "Man, you cut them down." I said, "You ruined them." I paid fifteen or twenty dollars a piece for them and got them planted in the ground. He comes over and cuts them all down. He number two or three little stubs sticking up. My Lord, I'm trying to raise peaches. He said, you can't raise peaches on this. He said, all it'll do is just them little old limbs run up there and they'll fall over and touch the ground. They'll have peaches on them next year, but the tree will fall down. He said, you've got to grow the roots and then develop the peaches. And he said, for you have any good peaches, he said, this is not really a good place because... He said, peaches need a thousand hours of cold weather in a dormant season before they can have good, big, ripe, juicy peaches. You know what? We want ripe, juicy peaches in the sunshine all the time. We want it in the shout. We want it in the dance. We want it in good preaching. We want it in good singing. We want it in the choir. We don't want them cold seasons. But I'm going to tell you, if you're going to live for God, you're going to have them, friend. Amen. You may never have been there, and I may have been backslid and didn't have enough sense to know it, but I've been through seasons that I could not feel God. I felt like God was a million miles away. I prayed and the heavens was brass. I read the Bible and it did not inspire me. You say, what did you do, Brother Coon? I kept on reading the Bible. I kept on praying. Hallelujah. I kept on serving God. And one day the sun broke through. Praise God. 
I'm going to tell you, friend, there's some times that we go through the storm. There's a dry season. There's a cold season. But your roots is going down. God's doing something for you. And after a while, we're going to break out with revival. We're going to break out with victory in our heart because we have stayed true in the dark times and in the stormy times. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Oh, we've got to... We've got to realize how important it is for us to stand fast in, in times of distress and in times of hardship. Praise God. How many of y'all got a job? How many of you got an alarm clock? Oh, that's a sad reminder, isn't it? Amen. Now, every morning, you know, that that, that I think Zig Ziglar is calls it an opportunity clock. That don't sound too hot to me. Amen. I ain't never liked no alarm clock. But if you're going to do anything, you're going to have to have one. Amen. And uh, how many of you, every time the alarm clock goes off, you throw back the and you jump out in your underwear and you, you do a little jig, you do a little chicken scratch or something and say, man, hallelujah. Praise God. Baby. Oh, wake up, baby. Wake up. The clock just went off. I'm getting ready to go to work. Man, man, listen, th just think. I'm going to make $10 an hour. Hallelujah. Praise God. Baby, get breakfast ready. I just, where's my britches at? I just can't. Hold them up. I'll just jump in them two legs at a time. Just, I'm just ready to go to work. I'm just, I'm just so excited about this job. Y'all do that every morning, don't you? <laughs> you do that every Sunday morning, don't you? Every Sunday night you do that. No, it don't happen at your house. Sometimes when the clock goes off, I pull the cover plumb over my head and say, Oh, God, I hope them things don't make it where I'm going. I'm saying... <laughs> Y'all ever feel that way about it? I have, so help me now, this, you know, it's just me in here. I have got up and just sat on the side of the bed. You know, people see me and my hair is always combed. They think when I wake up it's like this. They think I sleep in a suit and a necktie. You ought to see me at daylight. I look like a warmed over drunk. I get up and I sit on the side of the bed. Sometimes I just lay back over it. Oh, God. I wish I didn't have to get up. I wish Dr. Syracuse wouldn't take him out that old woman's gallbladder today. And i got to be up there. Amen. Dr. Syracuse is a doctor in our town. You know him, Brother Tipton. Had nobody in the South Parish got a gallbladder that's ever been to it. Takes everybody's gallbladder out. So I'm honest to God, I'm telling you. He said, we make a little bitty hole. We take it all out. And that's what he does. If you go with a backache, you lose your gallbladder. It don't matter. You just, it's just gallbladder affects everything in Gina. <laughs> Amen. You know, it's not fun. It's not, it's not fun just getting up every morning and going to work and all this. And I'm going to surprise you. It's not even fun getting up to go to preach every time. 
Did you know? Now this is going to shock the living liver out of you. So hold on. Did you know that sometimes your preacher is at church for the same seeking reason you're at work? Because he's got to be. <laughs> you say, well, I just thought he'd come walking on water every night. I'm sorry, he sure don't. Praise God. But you know why he comes? Just because of the same reason you go to work. He's got it's time to preach. I stayed in the office Wednesday night at my church till fifteen minutes till eight, and usually that's the time about the time I get on the floor. I was in my office at fifteen minutes till eight, and somebody was sitting on my desk. And they was telling me, and they'd been in there for 20, 30 minutes, saying, Brother Coon, you don't need to preach tonight. You are not in any, in any shape to preach. You are at the end of your road. You don't realize it, but you're at the end of your road. And I'm begging you, don't preach. Let us just go out there and testify. Why don't you go and be with your child? I have a 25-year-old daughter that is grievously ill with cancer tonight in the hospital. If this was a vacation, if this was a hunting trip, if this was anything but church, I wouldn't be here. And she's got two little kids, a little four-month-old baby. I don't know why she has cancer. She's never wore slacks. She's never cut her hair. She's never smoked a cigarette, never drank any whiskey. She's been in the church all of her life since she was big enough. And my wife had left and gone before church, and I was at church, and they said, your daughter is in a life-threatening situation. And the person was telling me in a kind, sweet way, you don't need to preach. You just need to stop. You need to quit. You need to go to the hospital. And I said, I know all of that. And I feel all of that. And I'm hurting and all of that. But it's my time to show up. And it's my time to bat, so to speak. And I'm fixing to get up and walk out there and believe that God is going to help us tonight. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, friend, you don't just do it when the sun shines. And when you feel like jumping up and doing a little shout, you just stay with it in the storm. And God is always there, even in the darkest of hours in our lives. Hallelujah. 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 Brother Preacher, if you're tired of preaching, preach on some more. Brother Saint, if you're tired of going to church, get up and go again. That may be the night God breaks through upon you. Hallelujah. 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 Just say, we're going, we're going, we're going, we're going. Praise God. You say, I'm going through a rough time. Let me tell you something, fellas. You have never learned anything worth two bits when the sun's shining and everything's going good. Everything you know that's worthwhile, everything that you ever experience you've got that's worth a dime, you got it out of adversity. Am I right? Every good experience that you've got. I don't ever hear anybody sitting around saying, you remember that time we inherited $10,000 and we had a big party? And you remember Mama left us 75000 You remember all that land we got? You remember all them big parties we had? I don't hear anybody talking about that. 
You know what? I hear people around Gina said, you remember the time we robbed the piggy bank for us to buy a tire for the old car? I hear people talking about hard times, bad times. You remember when we picked cotton? You remember, you remember when we had plastic? I remember one time my daddy was passing the church and we went to church and I don't remember the exact equation, but anyway, we killed nine billy goats and fixed five flats going to church. And that's when you stopped and took them off the tire, off of the car, and off of the rim, and patched them with monkey grip, put them back on, aired them up, put them back on, and you got to church smelling like roses. Just tuned up, you know. Amen. You know, I hear people talking about things like that. Hard times, difficult times. That's what melted us together. That's what molded us together. How long have you been married? Forty-four years. Oh, it's just been the sweetest time in the world. <laughs> Never an argument, never a fuss, never a hard time, plenty of money, good time, pretty necktie, sweet wife, she's always loved you. Everything you want to do is just right. Not at your house. Not at anybody else's house. Amen. I'm like the old man said, him and his wife was riding along one day and they saw a, they saw a pair of horses and they was pulling a buggy. It's a team of horses and they was pulling the buggy. Those horses were right in step. And this man and woman, they was, they was sitting there. And the wife looked over at the husband and said, Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could pull together like these horses and stay in step like they do and work together and be in harmony like they are? The old man looked at her and he said, We could if it was just one tongue between us like it is them. But you're not that blessed. <laughs> Amen. Forty-four years, the ups and the downs, the storms, the good times, the bad. But that's what made you love that woman. And that's what made her love you all your your aggravating ways. And you probably want to buy shotguns and liable to want an old lawnmower and a tractor and all kinds of old garbage. Can't understand it. You ought to be buying China. Dolls. She likes dolls. All these crazy women, they get old like dolls. <laughs> Funny thing about it. Amen. You ought to be buying that kind of stuff. Wasting your money on shotguns. Going hunting. All that kind of foolishness. Amen. My, my, my. You know what you learn? You learn it in the storm. You learn it in the hardship. But I want to tell you folks... We're talking about how we need to get established here tonight. I want to tell you, you better get established in God and His Word. There's all kinds of false doctrine going to come sailing by. Every kind of ism and schism, every kind of silly thing that you can imagine is a, is a traveling through the country today. Hey, you get a good hold on this old Bible. You get a good hold on God. And you say, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay with the church. I'm going to stay with the truth. I'm going to stay with this Acts 2.38 message. I'm going to keep dressing holy. I'm going to keep going to church. Hallelujah. I'm going to keep getting a haircut. I'm going to keep on not wearing gold chains around my neck. Not even going to get an earring in my belly button. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm telling you, this is a shaking time. People's changing. Prosperity is knocking a lot of people off of their feet. Amen. 
The reason a lot of people didn't believe in a lot of this stuff, they didn't have the money to buy it. Praise God. We talk about how we used to sacrifice. We used to sacrifice. We didn't have no, we, we, we wouldn't sacrifice. We just didn't have nothing. Well, no sacrifice. We're just poor. We wouldn't give it nothing. Didn't have none to give. <laughs> that's right. It really is. It's when you got it and you give it. That's a sacrifice. Amen. I, you know, it's easy for me to preach against Lamborghinis because I ain't got the money to buy one. I used to think as a desert lizard, but it's a high-priced car. Amen. But listen, fellas, you need to get established in the Word and get established in the Lord and just say, I'm not going to let anything shake me. God touched the meristem line of my heart and helped me to walk with God and to stay in the church. Amen. You know, you might even change pastors. Well, don't get so quiet. That happens occasionally. And you know, you can you could just fall out over that. I've seen people just lose a victory over the color of the church. And behold, it got quiet in Mississippi. Just a lot of things. Brother Travis could probably preach here. But I don't know nothing. I'm just talking. But I want to ask you, can you stay with Moses? And can you stay with Joshua? Moses held out a rod. Waters parted. Joshua said, y'all get the ark and get in there on your feet. Oh my God, our pastor didn't do it that way. Hey, get your rod. My, 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 our, 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 our pastor, he used rod. Hallelujah. Amen. I pastored a church in Indiana, and they had an old rickety table that fallen down. I tried to throw it away for years, and I, they had just one fit after another. We had to build a new church to get rid of it. I'm telling you the truth. Hallelujah. Come on, folks. Let's just stay with it. Amen. You know, it's a funny thing. Funny thing. Funny thing. We'll have a banquet at church. Christmas banquet. Young married couples banquet. Singles banquet. Old folks banquet. I don't know. I, I think I could go to heaven without another banquet, but I'm not sure. We have them for all ages, sizes. Fat folks, skinny folks banquet. Dieter's choice. Whatever you want, just you know, you just name it. We just we're trying to keep everybody saved. We're trying to feed them right on into glory. We're just we're just doing all of that. And you know, invariably, 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 wherever we go, wherever we go, there's a there's always a group comes in. Who picked this place out? We bought some carpet for the church one time. Somebody come running and said, Who picked out this carpet? 
I said, the building committee. They said, oh. I didn't tell them I was a building committee. But, you know, they just... You know, they just say, well, I can't stand this place. I guess we'll just have to put up with it. And so next year you change. And you go down the road. Or you go over the hill or around the curve. And they serve salads last or something, you know, just kind of spruce it up a little bit. And they say, I tell you, this is the most disgusting banquet that I have ever been to. Now, the one last year was the one I enjoyed. <laughs> this one's griping last year. And you know what? They're going to be griping next year. And they're going to be griping next year. And they're going to be griping next year. Come on, folks. Let's, let's get with the program. Let's quit worrying about all the peripherals. Who gets your parking place at church? Who scratched up your new Chevrolet whenever you drove up? Hey, somebody's going to scratch your car door. Somebody's going to get your parking place. Somebody's going to get your songbook. Somebody's going to sit in your seat. Somebody's going to jerk your little girl's pigtail. Somebody's going to have a birthday party and they ain't going to invite your kids. And they're going to have a singing one night and they ain't going to let your wife and your youngin sing and you could just get your marbles and go to the house or just move down the road somewhere where they appreciate real talent and real good people. But I'm going to tell you what, we need to dig down deep and say, hey, I'm going to be here. Bless your heart. I'm going to stay with the church of the living God. Come on, folks. Let's dig into our church. Hallelujah. You pardon me. I'm not blasting anybody. I'm just as happy as a dead pig in the sunshine. I don't know what that means, but my mama used to say that. I'm just so tickled I don't know what to do. Amen. But you listen to me tonight. Everybody's not going to have a keyboard. And if it did, wouldn't nobody know how to play it. And that don't mean you can't have church. Do you understand what I'm saying tonight? I don't care if your church is out at the crossroads. I got the Holy Ghost in a building where they fired up a wood stove and pumped up oil lanterns in the thing. And you can have a move of God without an organ and a piano. In fact, you may can have a better one if you've got four or five piano players in the church. Amen. Are y'all listening to me tonight? I'm just simply telling you, brothers, that we need to realize that I'm a part of this church and, and somehow I believe that I'm talking to that kind of men. You go home and say, I'm staying with this church. I'm not running off. I'm not leaving. I don't care what kind of revival they have down the road. I don't care what kind they have up the road. I don't care what kind of choir they got over yonder. What kind of song and a dance they've got down yonder. I'm going to stay with the church. I'm going to stay with the pastor. I'm going to dig in deep. And we're going to have revival in our little community. Praise God. And God will do exactly that. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on, folks. Let's build up our churches. Hallelujah. Let's dig deep in the things of God. Amen. 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 I may not be making a lick of sense, and I'm going to quit here in a few minutes. The Meristem line. You want to bear some fruit? Get some roots. Well, we can't be all roots. But this conference is about being strong in God, in His Word, in our church, 
in our homes. Now, all of y'all look smart to me. I went in a gas station one time. I was a place I'd never been before, and I went in to pay for the gas. A lady was doing something, getting some change for somebody in cash register. I stood there and waited my turn. I walked up, and she raised her eyes and looked at me, and she said, Well, you look like you got good sense. I said, Well, <laughs> I said, Thank you. Hope I do. Not too sure. But you know what? How many of y'all married? Some of you didn't get your hand up very fast nor very far. <laughs> what I want to ask you is, who picked that little woman out? And some of you said she ain't little no more. You ain't either. <laughs> and I ain't either. Hallelujah. Now, you know, when Paul said husbands love your wives, he wrote that to people that did not pick out their wives, by and large. That was a parental decision. But he said you love them anyway. Now, you picked out yours. You know what? You need to make up your mind. I'm going to stay. You say, well, I'm planning on it. You've thought about not staying. Are you listening to me tonight? We're talking about marriages. We're talking about home. We're talking about survival. We're talking about salvation. We're talking about living for God. Amen. You know, women are, they're funny things. I could tell you all kinds of things about them. And you could tell me all kinds of things. Brothers, this is a day that we need to make up our minds. We're going to make our marriage work. We're going to make our homes work. Divorce is not the answer to a problem. Sleeping on the couch is not even an answer to a problem. Now, I've been married 37 years, and I had never been dumb enough to sleep on the couch. Now, I've been mad a lot of times, but I ain't never got that mad. And if you get that bad off, you ought to have to sleep on the ground. Come on, I'm going to sleep in the bed. Mad or glad or sad or whatever. You say, well, Brother Coon, we just have problems. Marriages don't cause problems. Marriages brings them out. Amen. And it's like somebody said, if marriages are made in heaven, if they are made in heaven... Some of them have strayed a long ways from the factory. I'll tell you that. But I am challenging you tonight. I, I don't know if it's there or not. I was going to look today, but I, I forgot. <clears throat> I was preoccupied. Just before you cross over into Mississippi out of Louisiana on Highway 84, there's a big billboard there, and it's got a big rooster on it. hes I'm telling you, he's taller than I am. He is some kind of a rooster. Big old white rooster. Red comb. Big old fluffy plumed out tail. And underneath in big letters it says, Men who make babies and leave them are called 
dot, dot, dot. I don't have to fill in the dots. Being a father is more than begetting a child. There is a lot more involved in it than that. And somehow we need to make up our minds. We're going to establish ourselves in our homes. We're going to stay with it. We're going to see it through. Amen. I preached an old man's funeral just a few weeks ago. He's told me 25 times probably since I've been in Gina. He was a great guy. And, and he'd tell me in front of his wife. His name was Vance and her name was Esther. And he would tell me, he'd say, Brother Coon, I told Esther the other night, Esther, you just leave now. Anytime you get ready, you can just get up and go. I don't care. But he said, I want to tell you something. Whenever you get where you're going and you set your suitcase down, he said, I'm going to set mine down right by it. That's the kind of spirit we need to get in our homes. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Every time you have a little fuss, every time you have a little situation, don't run home to Mama or run down to the lawyer's office. There's a lawyer on every corner to tell you, well, sir, I'm telling you, your life is in danger living with that woman. <laughs> My God, I know their story. I'm telling you. Yes, sir. Mr. Hill, you could very well be a corpse this time tomorrow. There is a violence that gets in women after 44 years of marriage. And a man of your stature does not want to take any risk. Amen. And you've got to consider your property and your kids. You don't want your kids and your grandkids to grow up in an environment where there would be any form of stress or disagreement. If there's any attorneys here, God bless you. The blessings of the Lord be on you. I'm reading your mail right now. What I'm really doing is reading out of them law books you've got. Amen. And it would be unhealthy for your grandkids to walk into an environment where they felt any stress. Now, if they had a TV and a few murders on that, it wouldn't hurt them. But you and your wife having a little tension might cause them to be distorted in their life. It might give them a complex. And my advice would be to you to vacate the premises or else get a restraining order against her immediately. In fact, I wouldn't even go home if I was you. Hey, come on, fellas. We don't need that kind of stuff. We need to make up our minds. We're in this thing. We're going to stay with it. We're going to work it out. We're going to talk it out. We're going to pray it out. Praise God. We're going to survive. We're going to overcome. We're going to, we're going to make it and we're going to go to church shouting the victory. Praise God. I want to tell you folks, let's get rooted and grounded in God. Let's get rooted and grounded in the church. Hallelujah. Let's get rooted and grounded in our marriages, in our homes, in our families. That nothing can destroy us and sweep us away from the things of God. Hallelujah. Do you believe what I'm saying tonight? Stand to your feet and let's praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I apologize for speaking so long tonight. Thank you for your good attention. Let's not be tossed about by every storm, by every wind. And they're coming. They always come. Let's not let our value system become distorted by the storms that surround us. This world's value system is in shambles. Gambling, lottery tickets, homosexuality, divorce, immorality, perversion, 
You name it. Every, everything around us is in a shaking, quaking, storm-tossed environment. And here you are, a red-blooded American, here you are trying to live right, trying to be at peace, trying to be a good saint. Filthy jokes, pornography abounds on every side. Ungodliness, storms of every sort are shaking us. Sickness, some of you, your wife is suffering from diseases. Some of you have problems in your body. Stresses, agonies, hurts, disappointments, sorrows. Some of you have buried your kids. Some of you have buried your companion. Some of you, your parents are in nursing homes. Your wife's family maybe is in a nursing home. Caring for aged parents. Struggling to pay your bills. Working for a difficult boss. Life is a grinding experience sometimes. But somehow if we can let the touch of the Lord be on the meristem line of our lives. Praise God. And something would begin to go down and something would begin to go up in our lives. Praise God. It was the years of humiliation and suffering and agony and hurt that developed Joseph's root system. But if he had not had that, he could not have survived the honor and the glory of the throne. I hope nobody will misjudge me, and especially Brother Kraft. I hope you will not misjudge me for saying this. And I do not mean it unkindly. Oftentimes, in Bible college work, you get a call, and somebody says, I would like to have a young man or young couple... A young lady, I'd like to have a student that is highly, highly talented, that can sing, that can play, that can preach, that has really got it going. But they are deeply, deeply consecrated. And you know what I've told people? That's rare to find. That is rare to find. And I don't mean that unkindly tonight. But let me tell you something, if you have talent and ability, you better have some roots to keep it from bowling you over. I don't care what kind of ministry you've got. I don't care what kind of church you've got. I don't care what kind of business you've got. I don't care what kind of job you've got. You better have something that goes deep in your life. Or some false doctrine. Pardon me for being so plain, but some little flapper will come by. Some little home breaker will come by. Some hardship, some hurt. And all of a sudden, it sweeps you away because of a lack of balance. The taller you grow and the higher you get, the deeper the taproot better go. Are you listening to me tonight? I'm, I didn't come here to rebuke you. I didn't come here to scorn you. I didn't come here to belittle you. I didn't come here to put you down. I come here to encourage you, brothers. I come here to challenge you tonight. You're in a tough environment. You're in a tough day. 
I have this idyllic dream sometimes. I wish I was living in a log cabin and had cold milk in the spring and an old flint lock over the front door and a Jersey cow to milk and a hound dog to chase rabbits. And I lived at the far end of the road and it was a long ways to where it went out. But that's not the world we're living in. We're living in an age of technology. We're living in a modern time. And you might as well make up your mind, I'm going to live for God in this environment. God didn't design this church to backslide. He didn't design it to be blown over with compromise and charismatic spirits. He designed us to be strong and straight and tall and uncompromising in this generation we're living in. Praise God! And I believe we're going to do it, brothers. I believe Mississippi is going to blaze away in this United Pentecostal Church. You've done it. You're doing it. I challenge you to keep on doing it. Praise God! Praise God! My hat's off to you. My heart is with you tonight. Keep up the good work. Would you ask the Lord, as I finish, would you just ask the Lord, God, I don't know where it's at. I didn't know where the mare's stem line of a tree was at till an old-timer told me. I knew it went up and down, but I had to learn that. And I hope tonight that somehow I've enlightened us just a little bit. And wherever the mare's stem line of my soul is at, wherever that something in me is at that develops my root system and, and my fruit bearing, whatever it is that makes me take root downward, if it's the trial, if it's the storm, if it's the good time, if it's the hardship, whatever it is, God, I want to have a root system and I want to bear some fruit. I want you to touch me at the meristem line of my soul. Would you pray and ask the Lord to help you tonight? Let's ask God to touch us in a special way. Hallelujah. Lord, we need you tonight. Thank you for your attention. Let's pray, shall we? Let's lift our hands to Him.